Welcome to this week's episode of the PQI podcast. This week, we sit down with Amanda Skeen to discuss her role as an oncology pharmacy technician, drug purchasing, and robotics. Amanda has worked as a certified pharmacy technician since 2009 and is currently the oncology purchasing agent for the Cancer Center service line at Cone Health. She manages a multi-million dollar pharmaceutical inventory, as well as leads their compliance initiatives and hazardous drug compounding robotics program. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for joining us on the PQI podcast today. To start out, will you please introduce yourself to the audience and tell us about your current role? Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me. Um, My name is Amanda Skeen. I am a certified pharmacy technician with Cone Health. Um, We are a not-for-profit healthcare organization based in Greensboro, North Carolina, and I am the purchasing agent for Cone Health Oncology Pharmacy Service Line. Um, So I oversee purchasing for our main cancer center site, And we also have six satellite cancer center locations that I oversee purchasing for um, as well. And in addition to the purchasing duties that I do, I'm also very involved in um, clean room compliance initiatives. All of our pharmacies are IV therapies. um, So we are striving uh, to practice the USP 800 standards. Um, And I partner with our compounding regulatory technician coordinator and our compounding services and data analytics pharmacist to work on a lot of projects to just make sure with so many locations that we're offering um, a very standardized level of care and uh, the best service that we can for our patients. That is wonderful. And that's quite a big role, the purchasing and helping with the responsibility of the clean room. But both of those things are hugely, hugely important in the cancer center, I know. Yes, ma'am. And and I think it's helpful, which I'll touch on a little bit later, that um, I did serve several years in a um, practice role. Like I was actually in the clean room. So I I think it's a good perspective uh, to bring to the table when I was actually doing the work. And quote unquote, in the trenches. So um, yes, I'm very happy with with where my career has progressed. Wonderful. That is a great segue into my next question. So will you tell us about your path to where you are today and how, how you got into this role? Yes, ma'am. Um, so I was in my early 20s, just waitressing, trying to figure out what I was going to do with this world. And um, I told my mom one day, I would, I want to work in pharmacy. And she was like, okay, well, maybe you should see a little bit more of what that's about and what that entails. Um, So I looked into our local community college, um, which is Greensboro Technical Community College, uh, to see what sort of programs there were for pharmacists. Um, The prior education needed to go to pharmacy school for pharmacy technicians. Um, At that time, there was only a pharmacy technician certification program, which was a one-year program, just a very brief overview of um, retail and uh, hospital-based pharmacy. And I got into that program, completed my um, one-year certificate, and was lucky enough to land a job with Wake Forest Baptist, um, which is part of the Atrium Health 
umbrella. Um, they were in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And I started in hospital pharmacy in 2009 in just the main central pharmacy um, that distributes medications anywhere that was um, inpatient based. I worked at Baptist for about seven years. I had various different roles there. I started, like I said, in the central pharmacy, um, just doing your main duties, um, dispensing, working with automation, IV compounding, different things like that. And then as um, our patient population grew, we started to open some different satellite pharmacies. Uh, I had the opportunity to have some involvement in the ICU pharmacy. And then I landed in the emergency room pharmacy. That was one of the best experiences of my career. Um, absolutely love it. We were able to dispense bedside um, and Baptist was a level is a level one um, trauma center. Okay. So we were able to dispense bedside to patients during traumas, CPRs, intubations, um, different things like that that would require emergency care. So the amount of things I was able to see and more so to learn in that time um, was incredible. And that was really the turning point, I think, of my career to be like, whoa, when people say pharmacy technician, I feel like they just immediately imagine someone counting pills into a bottle. And here yeah. I am with a patient who has... Um, gunshot wounds, we'll say. Um, and I'm standing at the foot of their bed dispensing medications to a doctor who's trying to save this patient's life. Um, that was a real, real pivotal point um, in my career. So it was at that time that I decided to go back to school. I wanted to progress my career in healthcare. Um, and then my school schedule and my emergency room work schedule <laughs> weren't um, very cohesive. So I switched to another local health system, which is Cone Health. Um, where I started as a pharmacy um, technician at one of our satellite hospitals. And that's sort of where I branched into um, purchasing. They did not have the same capacity for emergency room technicians that my previous hospital did. Um, so that was sort of where I got into purchasing and just continued to grow my career from there. I went from the central pharmacy um, at Cone Health and worked my way into the oncology service line where I now serve as the, all the things <laughs> that we previously discussed. You, you do serve as all the things for sure. <laughs> and you're in school now too, right? I think you're, you're I am. Yes. <laughs> so I completed um, my undergraduate degree at the university of North Carolina at Greensboro. I have a biology degree and then um, Cone Health partners with Pfeiffer University, okay. which is just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm in my very last semester, yay, of um, a dual master's degree. I've completed my master's of healthcare administration and I will finish my master's of business administration um, this December. Wow, that is huge. That's a lot. So congratulations on that. Thank awesome, you. Awesome work. And I know you're doing, you're doing all this with with little people involved as well. So I am. Yes. Yes. I have a toddler who keeps me in check daily. So yes, <laughs> they, they will definitely do that. So 
I'd like to talk about the purchasing part of your role first. What sure. tasks does that encompass? That's a big one. Um, so <laughs> everything from purchasing paper and scissors and office supplies to the real nitty gritty, which is um, the drugs. So I manage uh, about an $11 million inventory for just my cancer center satellite that I work at. Like I said, we still have six others. Um, I purchase around three and a half to four million dollars each month, and that is with keeping a three-day inventory turn. Um, As you're probably aware, um, the cancer center chemo medications um, are very expensive, so I have everything from drugs that cost a few pennies to vials of drugs that cost, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars. So. I do the purchasing, I do uh, the negotiation of some of our contracts with our drug companies. The biggest thing with an inventory of our size is really like the monthly volume forecasting and strategic planning. Um, That took a little bit of time when I went from inpatient pharmacy to oncology pharmacy. Huge difference um, in the drugs, the the turns, the volumes uh, of things we need to carry. So now it's um, very easy for me to sort of know what our our patients' treatment plans are and to assess the trends. But that did take some time when I first got started. Um, But yeah, besides that, I just do like our normal departmental record keeping, um, stock, inventory control and replenishment. Um, we do do a lot of quality assurance checks of our medications with the, the high dollar value of them. It's very important to stay on top, making sure we don't have anything um, expire. And then of course, we're providing our patients uh, with the highest quality medications. Um, and then I just like adjust our stock based on usage. We are not lucky enough to have any automation um, as far as inventory software at this time, like a lot of our hospitals do. Um, We've not been able to branch that platform out to our ambulatory services. So everything that we do at our cancer centers is all um, manual at this time. So literally walking, counting, um, doing all of our assessments that way. It's a lot, a lot, a lot to be responsible for. So yes, ma'am. Does, does your heart still beat fast? I remember the first time I placed a drug order that was worth more than my house. Like my heart <laughs> was beat every was beat single so time. Like yes, um, you like know, the, <laughs> yes, uh, we're we're post um, Labor Day at this point, so um, you know that gives us a long weekend. You always have to stock up a little bit higher, and you know, I, I'm used to the higher numbers now associated with what I'm spending, but still when I breach that half a million a day mark, it still gives me a bit of anxiety and yeah. <laughs> always yeah. ready to explain that to someone why I had to do that. So yes. So why do you think that a pharmacy technician or someone with a pharmacy technician background makes an ideal candidate for the role that you're in? And so this is a little bit of, of what I touched on earlier. Uh, I think technicians are just really, they're in the thick of it. Um, They're doing the work. They're pulling the drugs. They're preparing the drugs. They're the ones actually moving um, the inventory. They know the usage. They know the practice. They know what's needed. Um, They're really the insiders. Technicians are, are such 
um, a pivotal piece of pharmacy. And I, I, I don't know that they're necessarily overlooked. Um, I just think that, that people aren't aware of what goes on behind the scenes um, to get the drugs in their hands on their IV pole, that sort of thing. Um, so technicians really, really know what is going on. And then in terms of relating that to purchasing, the ones who are using it know what they're using. They know what they need to replenish it. So um, the, the two really go hand in hand very, very well. And all of our purchasing agents across our um, pharmacies within our organization are, are all technicians and did serve you know, in the practice environment at one time. Wonderful, for sure. So I know there have been challenges, especially in recent years with purchasing. Um, What are some of the purchasing challenges you're facing or have faced in the last couple of years? And what strategies are you using to overcome these challenges? So I think we all know that COVID uh, wreaked havoc on our (laughs) uh, world of healthcare, not only drugs, but um, garb gowns, masks, all the things um, related to keeping our practice environment safe were were really disrupted um, during COVID. So I think the biggest challenge for purchasing is definitely navigating shortages. Um, There's always something that is on shortage, whether that is due to a national recall um, and then a drug is removed from the market, you know, for X amount of time or permanently, well, we still need to have those things. So we shift to a different manufacturer, but it's not just us. It's, you know, the the whole United States, the whole world, whatever it be, is making those shifts as well. Um, So really just being flexible, being able to pivot and stay ahead of the game as far as seeing when items are becoming less available in the supply chain, um, making you know, recommendations as far as switching to an equivalent product or a different manufacturer, those sort of things are stuff that I work very close with our management team on. Um, Famotidine is a big one. Uh, IV famotidine, Pepsid, um, has been uh, the bane of a buyer existence for the past year or so. And uh, we've actually gone from using a premixed product that we have had a very hard time getting our hands on to internalizing um, the production of IV famotidine premixes. So um, just sort of always looking for opportunities to just pivot, just pivot. And it's, it, we've got to get it. We've got to make it available to the patients. There's, there's some strategy out there that will allow us to, um, to get what we need. And I think a, one thing that our health system does very well is we do weekly pharmacy buyers calls um, where all of our pharmacy leaders and our purchasing agents system-wide. So inpatient, outpatient, all the specialty service lines get together on a call Wednesday morning and we keep a a running spreadsheet of items that we're keeping an eye on. You know, there's a a lot of drugs out there. It's very easy for me to overlook and miss something that might be on shortage, but collaboratively we come together, um, we identify items, we talk through strategies for overcoming shortages, moving inventory around, um, things like that. And then I have also just recently initiated daily huddles for our oncology pharmacy service line. We keep expanding. Now we're at seven cancer centers. 
um, seven different, you know, facilities to keep inventory in stock. Um, so we do our little daily huddles. And as part of that, we include any shortages um, or discussions of challenges that we're currently facing and what we can do internally, just as our little service line to sort of navigate those as well. But communication is really key. I think when you're, when you're talking about challenges and just being able to to help one another, lend things when you can, not be afraid to ask to borrow and just make it work. I think that's great. Communication and collaboration are definitely important. Yes, ma'am. So in addition to the purchasing, you also touched on you have the role in the robotics program at Cone. So tell us more about that. Sure. Um, So for the Cancer Center service line, we have the hazardous drug robots and um, the inpatient service line uses uh, just just regular the omnicell robots we utilize the locioni based apoteca robots in the cancer center so i serve as the liaison between um, our cancer centers and locioni which is um, their company based out of italy and their u.s headquarters is in maryland Um, They develop measurements and control systems that help manufacturers or organizations perform at their best, um, save time and money, respect human safety and the natural environment. And um, for us, that means a robot, (laughs) a robot to help take away some of the exposure to the hazardous um, drugs that were formally compounded uh, via two hands uh, in a, in a, biological safety cabinet. So um, as the liaison, I do a lot of behind the scenes work um, with our IT interface. And anytime we get a new drug, a different manufacturer, all that thing, all those things need built. Um, There has to be interoperability between our robotic software and our IT software that we use to do all of our our patient ordering. Um, Those two have to communicate to to be able to make the robot work. So I'm really involved behind the scenes with that sort of stuff. Um, On the front line, we have our Apoteca robots. Um, We actually have two robots and seven um, PS systems is is their official name. They're a gravimetric based system. Um, the PS systems sort of take some of the benefit um, of the robot and alleviate some of the work, um, but you're still utilizing that in um, like the compounding environment. So a PS system is like a computer screen and a scale that sits in your biological safety cabinet that guides you through um, the IV compounding process and um, you know produces the same result but takes it to another level by instituting that gravimetrics or uh, weight-based accuracy and efficiency. So we have um, our two robots, our seven PS systems across our cancer center service line. Um, We were the first community-based hospital cancer center in the country to use the Apoteca platform that Lochini has to offer. So that's kind of neat, and we're um, we're still currently practicing at about the uh, second highest producing robots in uh, the United States. So we, wow. on a good day, we're running about a hundred preparations um, through the robot, 
And that's just the robot. Like I said, we have the, the computer software in the hoods and technicians doing the manual mixing through that as well. Um, we see anywhere just at my location, not across our service line, just at my location, about 140 to 160 patients a day. So we're really cranking out um, the IVs and, and these products are incredibly helpful. They, uh, you know, take a lot of pressure off the technician, pressure off the pharmacist. We can pinpoint, you know, based on specific gravity of the drugs, uh, the, the accuracy that we can pinpoint with these products is, is amazing. So um, just improve staff safety, uh, efficiency across the line. I love our robots and I think anybody in our health system um, would say the same. And, and then of course, when, you know, when any staff hears, oh, pharmacy has a robot, they, they want to come see it. So just to yeah. put a little visual in everyone's head, um, it's like one arm that functions almost as our own arms can. Um, the, the robot, her name is Rosie at my site, um, <laughs> Rosie, the robot, she can, grab IV bags, she can grab vials, she pulls back syringes, injects drug. Um, and all of this again is done on a weight, weight-based platform. Um, so really all the technician exposure when running the robot is just feeding it the drugs and the IV bags, taking them out when Rosie is done. Um, that, that's really all that's, that's involved. Everything else is internalized in a giant, um, box is what it looks like. And, you know, again, just provides that extra level of safety and um, efficiency wise, when we were trying to make the decision to move forth with these robots, it took about 18 minutes um, for a technician or and pharmacist to jointly, um, uh, excuse me, like take the, get the label for a drug or a preparation, prepare it, uh, check it, do all the things. So from start to finish took about 18 minutes to make a preparation, whereas it takes about five. Oh my gosh. Our, um, yeah, on our, on our robotics platform. So uh, it's really, really an incredible product. Of course, a big spend um, in the beginning, but we, we've already come way past that. And now um, in addition to just our daily compounding, we are starting to utilize the robot to do batching of some okay. of our IV, IV, excuse me, IV chemotherapy. Um, this has been a big project I have been working on. So we have started uh, dose banding some of our medications and then batching them for uh, usually four days is at a time is what we batch for. And so instead of waiting for a patient to come in and then prepare their medication, are really fast movers that are, are high volume, we have taken those and started to batch those to really decrease the patient wait time. Um, our most recent drug was Keytruda. Um, we run about 300 doses of Keytruda a week across the service line. And so we have started to, to batch those. Um, if you're not familiar with that medication, it does not require pre-meds like a lot of our other chemotherapy does. So we were really doing a disservice um, to the patients and making them come into the clinic, sit and wait, make their medication. Um, we've cut their visits down from 43 minutes when we were manually compounding um, to seven minutes that oh they have to goodness. wait now that we started to, to batch those medications. So that's huge. As much time as our cancer center patients spend in the clinic, 
giving them a half an hour of their day back, yeah. it, that, that's, you know, the world of difference to them. So it, there's great things you can do. I absolutely love our robotics programs. That is amazing. And I, I think it's so interesting and something that a lot of people are going to want more information on is that it's a huge increase in efficiency to go from, from that amount of time to, to five minutes. Oh yeah. It's, it's incredible. And, and like I said, I mean, the patients spend day after day after day coming in for uh, different treatments, supportive care, labs, all the flushes, all the things. Um, So anything we can do to lessen the amount of time that they have to spend with us and, you know, being dragged down by their cancer journey, the, the better that is for their quality of life. Wonderful. And then do you have tips for other pharmacy technicians who wish to step into more diverse roles? So kind of to, to go along the path that you've gone and change from counting pills to something else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the biggest thing would just be like, don't be afraid to advocate for change um, that's going to result in achievement of best practice. I feel like that's sort of how I have gotten to where I'm at and gotten into these elevated roles. Um, Technicians have like such amazing ideas and sometimes I feel like they, they feel like their voice doesn't matter or it's not a value and that's so incorrect. Like you're the person in the role uh, on the bench, like making the, the items, like bring forth those uh, ideas that you have, what's the worst someone's going to say? Nope, that's not a good idea, but they could be like, this could change the face of our practice. So um, just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to advocate for, for change. Um, and, you know, change is so important in the world of healthcare. I don't think anyone <laughs> can, can argue that. So bring those ideas forth. That's, that's how we learn. That's how we grow and navigate new territory. Um, and then I, I think another piece of advice would be just really network. Um, There are so many technicians willing to share about their experiences and ideas. And even if you can just take a little snippet of something they share with you and bring it back into your work and your practice, again, that's how we change. That's how we grow. Um, And just just don't be afraid to, to ask. There are incredible roles that technicians have grown into. And and I think that they're just going to continue to, to grow from there. I do hope so. And it sounds like communication and collaboration are are key here again. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. And so you just brought up networking. And with that, why do you think an organization like Opta, the Oncology Pharmacy Technician Association, is valuable for oncology pharmacy technicians? Opta, I'm new to Opta. It is incredible. I have already learned so much in just oh, the, the couple interactions um, that I've had with some of the technician leaders. It's incredible. It's such a unique resource that's very tailored to oncology pharmacy technicians. Um, I have been lucky enough to have very diverse roles across my pharmacy technician career, but holy moly, when I walked into oncology pharmacy, I spent probably the first two weeks just learning how to say the drug names. It was that um, vast of a difference. So um, just being able to connect with people who are on that same level as you, oncology is its own little niche. So there are infinite resources as far as pharmacy goes, um, but there are 
few that are technician specific, and I think even fewer that are oncology, pharmacy, technician specific. So um, Opta really is a great platform for our oncology pharmacy community. Um, the technicians to just connect, share professional growth opportunities, uh, successes, even failures, you know, failures, how we learn and really bounce ideas off of others who practice in that similar setting. So we can develop practices together um, that result in, in best patient care. All right. Wonderful. Thank you. So I'll put the, the link in the show notes with that being said to join Opta. If any, if any technicians are out there and listening and are not members, it's a great resource. It's complimentary for you if you're a member of the oncology care team. So we have a couple of final fun questions or one, one <laughs> fun question and one, one encoder related question for you, Amanda. Okay. But is there anything else you'd like to add before we get into those last two questions? Um, I would just like to thank you uh, for this opportunity to share my role, the progression through my career, the different things that I do, and just um, encourage technicians in, you know, the pharmacy world, the oncology pharmacy world, anyone who's listening, just continue to show up and bring those ideas forth and, and just grow yourself and grow your career. There's nothing but good to come from it. Love it. Thank you. And so we call this the PQI podcast to bring awareness to ENCODA's positive quality intervention resource. What value do you see in this resource? The first time I saw the PQI, I was like, holy cow, this is like cliff notes for um, a package insert. It's incredible. <laughs> that is uh the PQI is such a good resource for everyone that is in medical practice. It gives pharmacy and medical personnel like a quick glance at what we need to know, what information is um, important about a drug that is embedded in that package insert. I'm sure we've all pulled one of those apart at some point and just had anxiety looking at all of the lingo and jargon and stuff we don't need. Um, so the, the PQI just narrows everything down, just makes it so much easier to find exactly what you need. Um, and usually when we're looking in a package insert, we need an answer pretty quickly. So um, it's very helpful for that. Um, and then also in, in my health system, and I, I think health, most healthcare systems, patients are really being encouraged to take a more active role in their care. And I think the PQI is also helpful for, for patients who want to know more about their treatments and, um, you know, what they're receiving. So I, I think that it's helpful for them as well that, that they can understand in uh, layman's terms what is what is going on behind the scenes, what drug they're receiving, um, and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, incredible, incredible resource. Um, cannot wait to see what else comes out as far as the PQIs are concerned. Thank you. I, I know they're always coming. Nat Natasha and our team and her PQI committee are, are busy at all times. So I'm more sure. Time. And there's just always new drugs rolling out. So I'm sure when yeah. they, they, oh, they yes. catch up, here's five new ones to come. So exactly. So as our final fun question, if you could sit down to dinner with anyone living or in history, who would it be and why? And then also, what would you eat? Oh my gosh. Wow. That's a good question. <laughs> um, so it would definitely be uh, my grandma on my mother's side. She Aww. passed away um, five years ago, last month. So, but she was just such an inspirational person, not just to me, um, but our whole family. She had a 
stroke that left her unable to speak when I was in middle school and she just overcame so much. Um, she was also paralyzed as well as um, unable to speak. She had partial paralysis from her stroke, but it didn't make her skip a beat. She lived oh, for 17 years after her stroke goodness. and she was just the most positive, upright, uh, upbeat, um, bright faced person that, that you can ever imagine. It was like, it, it never even happened. She just, you know, continued on with life. And I just, I hope to carry on, um, you know, her, her legacy, her, her up, upbeat attitude and just her happiness and passion for everything that she did. And, oh my gosh, she was such an incredible cook and more so, um, a baker on top of that. So just uh, sticking, yeah. um, with grandma and she taught me how to bake. So I would have to go, um, with her famous apple pie. It's oh. sort of your traditional take on apple pie with like a crumbly streusel topping instead of a regular pie topping and some vanilla ice cream out of this world. But that's me and grandma, we would reminisce and we would share our apple pie for sure. I love it. I love it. There's, there's nothing quite like grandmas. They're, they're very special people. And I can tell you, you're definitely carrying on her legacy of, of positivity. So thank you so much, Ginger. This has been absolutely wonderful. Um, I'm very happy to, to share the things that I do. If anyone has any questions, um, you know, they can absolutely reach out to me. I'm getting involved in Opta. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, all of the things. So um, again, just thank you so much for this opportunity. Well, thank you so much for giving Encoda your time today. And I know everyone will find a lot of value in what you have to say. And thank you for everything you're doing for patients. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Amanda. To download this podcast, you can search the PQI podcast on Spotify and Apple and remember to subscribe. You can listen on our website at encoda.org. That's ncoda.org. You can also follow us on Instagram at the PQI podcast. We would like to thank Encoda for making this podcast possible. Tune in next week for another edition of the PQI podcast. Thanks, everybody.